Hi, I'm Jillian Swinford. And I'm Haley Brolison. And this is Mother Nature Will Kill You. A podcast about the most horrific tragedies. And the most triumphant survival stories that the wilderness can provide. So grab your backpack. And maybe a bottle of wine. And let's go on a wild ride into the unknown. Walking down this road I go. But I am going alone. Running far, far from home. Till I am skin and bone. I don't want to die. But I'll have to try. I don't want to die. But I'm on my Good day. <laughs> Good morning. Good morrow. I don't know. Whatever. I'm just cracking up right now because I have a towel on my head and like I just am picturing Jillian's point of view of like logging on to Zoom and this the first thing that pops up is me in a towel head and like glasses looking very rough. <laughs> with with your wine. You look like an old with my like, rich woman, you know what I mean? <laughs> like with a turban on. I I guess. <laughs> Well, the glass, that's a very rich lady glass, that, like, square cut almost. I, I was influenced for this yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. An influencer that I had been following since college yeah. a couple years ago. I saw that she was posting photos with these square wine glasses. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's really cute. I like those. So then I went Thank on you. Amazon and got myself some of them. <laughs> well, I just worked out. So I am also gross. Good for you, though. I I was doing, or well, not was. I am doing this fourteen day like Pilates like online app kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I've been doing pretty good with it so far. But this is definitely my second day of not doing one. But I justify it because in the in between, I'm like doing housework, you know, like fixing stuff around the house. So I'm like, mm-hmm. that's kind of a workout in itself. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how I just buy it. But then I also go on walks with Waylon and it's freaking hot as hell out here. So I'm like, you know what? It is. A 30-minute walk, that's like my cardio for the day. <laughs> it's hot here too, so you're absolutely not escaping it coming here, by yeah. the way. <laughs> well, I think it's actually worse down there because ironically, so my um, supervisor is in Austin right now huh. for the, um, what is it? It's like the Gulf of Mexico. Some conference is going on down huh. there right now. And he's there presenting on behalf of our organization. And um, I was like, oh, no shit, Kevin, you're down there. I was like, how long are you staying down there for? I was like, I'll be down there Wednesday. I got a free day Thursday. You want me to come by and help you out of the booth? Like, <laughs> But he's actually leaving Wednesday, so I won't be able to see him. But we probably will cross paths in the airport, ironically. So That's funny. That's yeah. Really funny. And he told me today on our one-on-one, he said that like just walking from his car into the building, he's like, I, he's like, it's horrible. He's like, and I'm from South Florida. Like mm-hmm. this sucks. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm fearful of that too, because, you know, I asked my mom the other day if the wedding is going to be outside or inside. 
because that's like, I don't, and I told Alex, I was like, I don't think I have any clothes for that kind of heat. And he kind of was taken aback because in his mind, you know, he's like, it's hot down here too. But I feel like the Texas heat is a whole different ball game than like the Florida heat. You know, I don't it's know just... why, but it feels like the sun is closer. Yeah. Here. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Well, just but... like watching the news and seeing how the heat index in Austin and like Houston is literally 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Like down here, it's like 80 something, but it feels like 90 something. You know, so yeah. like I'm going somewhere where it's 20 degrees hotter. And I'm just like, that's that's a lot. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. The heat index, uh, my last field day was 108. Mm-hmm. On my last field day tomorrow, I don't think it's supposed to be as bad just because the humidity has decreased since last well, week. That's good. Yeah, that's nice. So that's the biggest problem is like there's not only immense heat, but also immense humidity. And that's yeah. the biggest issue. Yeah. So, so everybody is listening to this. <laughs> we're recording literally two days after the last episode we recorded. Yeah, so we don't really have a lot to catch up on. <laughs> no, but so if you're Hence talking about the weather. <laughs> just to like the timeline, we're literally recording these all at once and then not recording again for a month because both of us have like shit to do and places to be. And yeah. of course it all kind of overlaps and you know, we'll have little couple day gaps here and there, but we're like, fuck it, let's just let's just do yeah. it all. And we could have recorded in person when I come to to visit, but we just want to enjoy each other's company yeah. and not have work to <laughs> fit in, you know. <laughs> if you were coming to the house and if you were staying for longer, I would say like let's do yeah, it. But for sure. Like I just don't want to pack all of my shit to go down that way. And no. then yeah. No, it's a lot. Yeah, no worries. We're going to have fun. We're going to get really hot, though. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm excited because I haven't I've been to Texas a handful of times, but every time it's just been really quickly passing through. I've never Mm -hmm. actually like spent a few days in Texas and discovered some things. So I'm excited and I've never been to Austin. So that's like a new city. I've been Mm -hmm. to Dallas. I've been to San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited to go to Austin. That sign bar that you sent me looks really fun. And just knowing the two of us, I was like, all the photos that we can take with each other. <laughs> yes. Pack cute I, fits. I know. <laughs> I already have my outfit in mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, definitely we'll go to Barton Springs too. I've actually never been because I've never been there when well I guess I have been there when the weather was hot hot enough but we went to a different spring so I've always wanted to go to this one because it's like it's it's in a a, like city park basically yeah but it's like this big cement pool on the river where the spring flows out of but like the bottom is all natural okay it's like a giant swimming pool and it's it's huge yeah like the bottom is like natural habitat so there's like fish and turtles and stuff that's cool so So i will bring i need to make the mental note to bring my snorkel mask um do we get to like can we rent floaties there like inner tubes or anything or like Um, is it kind of like but i could just bring ours yeah just something because i know my asthma like i got like 30 minutes before my asthma kind of kicks in when i'm swimming around so (laughs) i just gotta like be able to sit somewhere and recover I yeah. tested it out the other day when I went to Bihia Honda. I took my inhaler and I was like, all right, inhaler is good. We're going to go snorkel. 
and like time ourselves, like how long I got till I start kind of feeling a little asthmatic. <laughs> I didn't know you had that problem. Yeah, no, I do. I have okay. athlete's asthma. And fun fact, I discovered this while I was like 13 or 14 and I was swimming and I am. I like nearly drowned. So I um I have some trauma around that where yeah. I did some um what is it like EMDR therapy? All yeah. like that therapy. I so I started doing that therapy when I had like my health issues and stuff because oh, yeah. my, there was plenty of people around me that was like, okay, like we've you've done this test, you've done that test, they've all come back negative. Like at what point in time is it like mental? And I was like, that's a great question probably is somewhat mental and so then like you know I was talking to my therapist about it and we decided to go down the route of like EMDR therapy to mm -hmm. heal like the the health trauma part of it but mm -hmm. then I uncovered all of this other trauma and it all stems back to the one time I almost fucking drowned I, I like, mean oh my god like, your body remembers things like that absolutely Okay, yeah, I'll I'll bring some of our pool floaties because cool. we have some some floaties in our our trailer trash above ground pool in nice. our backyard. So well, I'm jealous of that above ground pool because I have tried to talk Alex not, and this is like low effort trying to talk him into it. But a stock tank, have you seen like the stock tank pools yeah. that you can do? I have. I'm like man, because I've been doing some like pool, pool and weeds like that kind of yard work, and I'm just like after an hour, I'm like man, getting into an ice cold pool right now and just yes. sitting. But it feels so nice. Yes. <laughs> but we don't have that. <laughs> so. Well, we've been jokingly calling ours the tepid tub lately mm. because it's so hot that it doesn't matter. It just yeah. <laughs> but yeah, at night, fair. like when it's cooled off and like when the, there's a breeze coming through, it's actually really nice. So, yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, I'll bring I'll bring floaties. Oh, cool. <laughs> I'm excited for that, though. Like I want to snorkel, but I'm also like nervous. <laughs> well, I'll be there. Asthma. I'll be yeah, there. I'm. I know. I'm a a little. Be good. Well, and there's like, you know, you don't have to do it the whole time. It's it's you know, we can just hang out, float around, drink yeah. whatever, and you know, yeah. There's no, like shallow good. parts and deep parts, so it's like, it's a very controlled environment, I guess. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, because when I was uh, at Bahia Honda, it was when my dad and Alex were out kayaking, so I was also being like super. Um, like careful about it yeah one that channel over there is super sharky yes and so and i'm like I've by myself yeah. yeah and i'm like i don't know like you know it's not like it's buoyed off but there's no net there so like mm -hmm. it's just the buoy line is just to show you where you can swim and like not swim yeah that doesn't mean that sharks can't go in there though <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i was like and i was following some fish around and i was like oh, i gotta make sure i'm like in a zone where like i can still stand up like if i start kind of feeling a little asthmatic yeah and it's some it's something about swimming is like what mm. triggers it yeah because like i could run and like i when i was training for like a half marathon i wouldn't even take my inhaler before i would go on runs and i'm like fine even now i, would, I wouldn't probably take my inhaler before i go on a run but it's something about swimming and I think it's like the the breath holds and like mm -hmm. how I don't know, like the breathing pattern that I have when I'm swimming. I think it's something about that, which like kind of triggers it to be <clears throat> a little bit more challenging. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was, a that was a fun. That was a fun discovery when uh, I was a, a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought that'd be fun because um, it's going to be fucking hot. It just it is. is. And um, I like parks and stuff like that too. So like I, yeah. I would enjoy that. I'm yeah. just like giving you fair warning. Like my body does not 
enjoy the swimming for an extended period of time. I will bring, I will bring you a floaty. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> cause I, I don't know what it is about. It's probably cause I, you know, I have a little extra fat more than probably a little extra fat here and there, but I can float so well. And I always have been able to like, ever since I started going through puberty and gaining, you know, like the assets, right. Yeah. I've been able to float. Like I don't have to tread water. That's like, nice. It's, it's funny. So I don't need one, but I'll bring one for you. Yeah. <laughs> so we can do that. We can, we could even go see the bats if you wanted to. That so night. when you sent me that, I was like, is she joking? Cause she knows I had bats in my house or is this like really a thing that I'm not like, <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't even thinking of the fact that you had bats in your house. (laughs) That's right. I was like, Jillian, I'm pretty pretty sure I know what a bat looks like. I've seen them. I can have my own bat show here. No, but that would be really cool. I watched the video and I looked at the link that you sent me and I was like, that would actually be kind of cool to go see too. But I just, I thought it was a biology nerd to another, like, you would appreciate. I, I know I would enjoy that, but I thought it, there was also like a joke in there too. <laughs> no, I totally forgot. <laughs> yeah, totally no, forgot. I think that would be, that would be uh, fun to do. I'm just thinking of things that I've done there. I didn't realize that there was that many bats there. Yeah, it's like a huge colony under that bridge. That's cool though. And the time that Corey and I tried to go, a cold front came in and we saw Aww. like three of them. <laughs> But they like swarm around. Do they? I guess they, they like avoid people. Hopefully, right? Because like diseases or thing. I don't know. I think people yeah. like go set up on uh, like on the lawn, like on the Colorado River, and just kind of watch them. And that's cool, though. So it'd be a a fun outdoor thing that wouldn't be oppressively hot because yeah, it'd be nighttime. At night, yeah, yeah. So for sure, I'm just trying to like because it's so it's so hot. Well, speaking of extreme heat, yeah, we're going summer special today. But first, before we do that, we have a news story that we didn't talk about last time. No, we didn't. And I'm just going to read this. Talk yeah. about the sub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I've been still sending you things about the sub on TikTok. <laughs> I've been looking at <laughs> My favorite TikTok so far that anyone has sent me is the one where it's like an angler fish oh, yeah. <laughs> minding his own business. And like underneath it says POV, you're just chilling, eating crustaceans and fish when, a you know, five billionaires in a Pringle can zooms past you. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, like, <laughs> oh, my God, that one, that one gave me life. I cackled so loud when you sent me that. <laughs> that was my favorite one. I don't, it's going to be hard to beat that one. That one was pretty good. <laughs> I um, I've been seeing like more videos of like the implosion happening, mm-hmm. and I'm and like they're good diagrams, you know, they're, like yeah. good illustrations to show people how fast that that actually happens, and. Like the, the the one graph that I sent you where it was like total Titanic deaths and it was like it's like three hundred or whatever thousand yeah it was like yeah. high peak and then it's like twenty twenty three it's like a small peak <laughs> I was like, oh. like oh no supposedly the Logitech controller survived the implosion I saw that too <laughs> I was 
another one where they were like, dear God, like the video of TikTok I saw, it was like, tell me that that's not true. And it like zoomed in on the ocean floor bottom and it was like the Logitech controller. And they were like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) So now it's down. The Logitech controller's down there next to the fucking Titanic. So bizarre. Anyway. Yeah, it's a stark comparison in centuries. Yes. Right there. Yes. But uh, hubris of man still withstands for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I just... And then this morning on the news, like the mom of the child was talking and she was saying how excited he was to go do it. And she was saying that she was supposed to be on it. He took her place. And I was like, oh, golly, that's like that's a hard emotion to process when it's Mm -hmm. like it's your child that passed. But like it was supposed to be you. And like, it's just. Yeah. Rough. That's rough. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about some people who survived. Yeah, some other children. So um, I'm just going to read this off of NPR.org. And um, so this happened back, what was this, like four weeks ago, June 17th. So like 10 days ago, (laughs) not Mm -hmm. four weeks ago, feels like four weeks ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it happened in Colombia and um, it was about a rescue mission for four indigenous children, including a baby after they were lost in the Amazon jungle for 40 days. Insane. And so that's insane, right? And so the children were ages 13, 9, and 4, and then the baby was 11 months old, so nearly a year old. That's the they, craziest part to me. I know. That's how, a baby. It's a baby. So, like, how the hell does a baby, like, a baby, 11 months old, don't eat, they don't eat solids yet, right? I don't know anything uh, about children. I think or they, like, I mean, they're almost a year. They're probably eating baby food at that point, I would think. Like, like smushed up fruit, probably. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's, like, what, what they were doing. <clears throat> so, all of these children survived a deadly plane crash that unfortunately killed their mother, which is super sad. Um, yeah. And, like, that's just processing that emotionally as, like, a 13-year-old, but also trying to keep your siblings alive hard yeah hopefully like the four-year-old won't remember that much of it yeah yeah i mean i don't really have a lot of memories of around four years old i don't recall you know yeah but what what was it 15 and nine those two are 13 trauma yeah 13 and nine yeah 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 those two for sure So the oldest girl, her name is Leslie, and they managed to find food, water, and shelter in the rainforest until Colombian special forces who had teamed up with indigenous guides finally found them. And um, Lieutenant Colonel Oscar Garzon, who is a Colombian army officer, said that they were convinced they were alive and that's what kept them going. And um, so they, the, the army, the Colombian army was like, these kids are alive because they saw the crash site and they saw the people who had died yeah. and they saw that there weren't the children around there. Right. So they were like, oh, if there's not children here, that means that they went off somewhere. So mm-hmm. like they're still alive. Mm-hmm. Um. So Leslie and then her siblings, Selene, Tian and Kristen, they are members of the. <clears throat> Ooh, I gotta... <laughs> Let me Google this one, how to pronounce that. I don't want to do this a disservice. 
Okay, so I was right about uh, 11 months old babies. You can expand your baby's diet to include soft foods such as yogurt, oatmeal, mashed bananas, mashed potatoes, or even thicker or lumpy pureed vegetables. So there you go. Nice. Right? Yeah. So you could feed them like smashed up bananas or mango or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that that's probably what they did. Here, I'm I mean, can you imagine it. if it was still like drinking milk? Yeah. You know? That that would be harder. I'm gonna uh, try yeah, I don't know to, what they would have done. I'm gonna try to hear how to pronounce this indigenous name. I should have done this earlier, okay. but I didn't. We toto. That's how you say it. We toto. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, I don't want to do indigenous names like a disservice, you know. Oh, like yeah. I've already been through enough. The last thing they need is another like white privileged girl speaking their name wrong. Yeah, and um, we've already butchered yeah. a lot of different <clears throat> names on this podcast. I know. So Leslie, Salini, Tian, and Kristen are members of the Huyoto Indigenous Group, and they were traveling from the southern town of Ararak. Wow, goddammit. Okay, so they were traveling from a southern point in Colombia to San Jose del Guavere with their mother aboard the single-engine Cessna to visit their mom's husband which was the father of two of the children okay so they were going to visit their dad gotcha and um he told reporters that he had fled the area that this is the dad had Mm -hmm. fled the area after being threatened by a guerrilla group that he feared would try to recruit his children so this is very much like a situation of um escapism to like help Mm -hmm. survive and keep your family safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so the search team vowed to not leave until they found the children. Um, <clears throat> the airplane, which is called the Cessna, developed engine trouble and disappeared May 1st. It's currently the rainy season in that region due to cloud cover and constant downpours. So it took the Army um, two weeks to locate the crash site. So wow. that was part of the problem was the weather was like hindering their research effort, not research, res- yeah. uh, rescue efforts. Um, Ain't that just the way it always I know. <laughs> when it rains, it pours. No pun intended. Also, um, I feel like it's always a Cessna. I don't know why, but I feel like Cessnas go down a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so like this airplane, it's like a very small, like it's like a toy airplane, yeah. only bigger, you know? Yeah. It's like probably five seats. It's not, it's not large at all. It's very mm-hmm. small. It's like a private mm-hmm. aircraft. Yeah. Um, so at the crash site is where the um, army found the dead bodies of all three adults aboard the plane, including the children's mother. Her name was Magdalena Mukuti, and she was 33 years old. So they said that one positive sign was that the children were missing, and they had been seated in the rear of the aircraft, which may have helped them survive the impact of the crash. And since the children were missing therefore again they were like oh they must be alive because they're not here um they were not going to leave again they were not going to leave the place until they found them um alfredo acosta one of dozens of indigenous volunteers who worked together with the colombian troops says that the children probably abandoned the crash site to get away from the dead bodies which could attract dangerous animals and also took or also look for food and water Mm -hmm. which smart 
Like, honestly, my brain would be like, oh, stay with the crash site because, like, they'll find you there. But, like, I I would not think about, like, animals coming to eat the dead bodies, which is definitely a thing. Like, panthers, Mm -hmm. like that. I could see that happening. Um, If I was one of them, I'd be like, I just don't want to be here because I don't want to watch my dead mom decay either. Also that, yeah. Yeah. But then the other side of it is, like, you feel like comfort with like even if your mom's dead it's like it's still your mom you know what I mean like it's a weird weird vibe Mm -hmm. to go through for sure um so the the children had vital knowledge and skills to survive in the jungle they were well prepared to forage because they were raised in the jungle um says one of the Colombian anthropologists and linguists who over the past 30 years had studied the Hyoto culture and language and for part of that time lived with the children's family near their hometown and becoming close friends with um, their mother. So this person uh, was actually pretty well acquainted with this family, apparently. Yeah. This was the family that opened the, their door to me for doing research, he says. So, yeah, they were very welcoming family to him. While there, she says youngsters were constantly climbing trees Oh, I guess while while there means like their home. So mm-hmm. while the, this person, uh, this researcher was at their home staying with them, uh, she says that youngsters were clo- constantly climbing trees, gathering edible fruit and taking part in indigenous ceremonies in which they sang and celebrated the bounty of the jungle. They are taught from a very young age how to care for themselves. Their parents and grandparents are all the time teaching these children what they can eat and why. Relatives told that while lost in the jungle, the kids consumed an Amazonian fruit known as Juan Soco, which is similar to passion fruit, as well as the seeds from Milpesos palm tree, which are likely tiny coconuts and contain oil and vitamins. So they also came upon a box of food airdropped by the military. So I guess while they're searching for these children, they're also airdropping food in the surrounding area of the crash and they happened to stumble upon one of those boxes, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, the kids had found an 11-pound bag of yucca flour in the airplane and kept baby Kristen alive by feeding her the flour dissolved in water. That is so uh... smart. Like, oh, my gosh. It's almost like formula. Yeah. Yeah. And so then the linguist, I believe, yeah, the, the ling- Colombian anthropologist and linguist says um that leslie used a leaf to drip the mixture into the baby's mouth how freaking smart is this kid yeah like you're di- crazy you're, you're di- dissolving the flour in water and then you're using a leaf to drip it into your sibling's mouth like that's insanely smart yeah because so- i would not have come up with that as a 13 year old <laughs> I'd be like, what the hell am i supposed to do like just try to dump it in their face Oh my gosh. So Kristen turned one during their time in the jungle and T and her older brother turned five. Oh, so there was two birthdays that happened within the time they were missing. That is so sad. And oh my God, crazy. Yeah. The kids had a mosquito net and a plastic tarp on top of which they piled banana leaves and bunked down at night to stay warm. They made their own shelter with like legitimate supplies. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, I could make a mean fort when I was a kid. So that would have been right up my alley. But making baby formula out of yucca flour, not. Not not up your alley. (laughs) 
This was key because even in the tropical rainforest, the temperature rapidly drops after sundown. And in the constant rain, their clothes are always wet. And that's like a hypothermia situation that Mm -hmm. you can enter into. Mm -hmm. That's super smart of those kids. So indigenous guides relied on traditional knowledge during the search. The Colombian military used reconnaissance flights, infrared sensors, satellite imagery, and other technology in the search for the children and deployed 110 special forces on the ground. But the jungle was so thick that it was very slow going. Mm -hmm. The forces received a huge boost from the indigenous guides, but even they found the surroundings challenging. It was virgin jungle. You look in any direction and all you see are huge trees. It's very easy to get lost. Yeah. So they came across deer, tapirs, oncillas, onkillas. I don't, I've never heard of that animal before, Um, which look like small tigers. Oh, small tiger. Um, And poisonous snakes. They were constantly attacked by mosquitoes, flies, ants, and sometimes ran out of food. The rain never seemed to let up. And um, the one Colombian officer said that they were wet all the time. (laughs) Rather than modern technology, the indigenous guides learned on tradition every day, or not learned, leaned on tradition. Every day, they held ceremonies to ask permission of the spirits to enter the jungle. Some of them took ayahuasca. Oh, that's cool. I've always kind of wanted to try ayahuasca. (laughs) Not gonna lie. I'm like, I've always been down to try something that's going to make me hallucinate. But that's... (laughs) <laughs> that's just a I, my anxiety would never let me but like mm-hmm. I always have that desire you know I'm like what would that be like like what would I see I'm curious yeah yeah but I know my anxiety enough and that would not be a fun time <laughs> um so some of them took ayahuasca and psychedelics or which is a psychedelic brew made of jungle plants in the hopes that the hallucinogenic visions would point them in the right direction they are so good at understanding the spiritual dimension, and that was the best addition to the search team, which the Colombian army officer had stated. And that's what's filling up the gap between what you can and cannot see in the jungle, which I feel like that's very true. It's like you have the military resources that's like technologically advanced, but then you have the indig- indigenous culture that's very traditional and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And like mixing those two together gives you a greater resource to finding the kids. Kind of reminds me of when, like, like cops will use mediums sometimes. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. which I don't yeah. know about that. I feel like an indigenous, like, tribes person would be better because, you know, they know the jungle, you know, they like. Yeah. Know what and to especially look and especially knowing that that was these children's background, too. So they mm-hmm. can kind of more or less get into the minds of them without yeah. being in their minds. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, the search dragged on. The fate of the children became a national obsession in Colombia, and the father of the youngest two children uh, insisted that all four were still alive, and pointed out that one of his sisters was once lost in the jungle for a month but survived. Whoa. So, like, this family has like passed down some tips and tricks of their yeah. indigenous culture to their children. John Frank Pincheo, a Colombian policeman who in 1998 was kidnapped by Marxist guerrillas and then escaped into the jungle and was rescued after 17 days, also insisted that the kids had a fighting chance as long as they avoided mosquitoes transmitting malaria. Hmm. But in a radio interview, he also warned, there are piranhas, tarantulas, and all kinds of snakes. So he was like, these kids are good if they can just stay away from the things that will kill them. (laughs) You know. Which, you know... (laughs) It's easier said than done. Right. Um, 
So a rescue dog named Wilson helped locate the children, but the dog is now missing, which is what? Oh, Wilson. I didn't know about Wilson. (laughs) During the third week of the search, President Gustavo Petro announced on Twitter that the kids had been rescued, but quickly admitted that he had received erroneous information and deleted the tweet. The main challenge in finding them was the fact that the children spent much of their time in the jungle hiding. Mm. And then the linguist, the anthropologist, says that they probably were spooked by the sound of the helicopter and were conditioned to avoid strangers in the jungle. Because all that gorilla groups and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They might have thought the gorillas were coming after them, says Garzon, who points out that the troops came across an abandoned rebel encampment near the crash site. So they found their encampment, but did not find the children because they were probably scared they were gorillas, like you said. Yeah. To convince the kids to show themselves, their grandmother recorded a message for Leslie and Huyoto that was broadcast into the jungle. In it, she said, Leslie, this is your grandmother. I am asking you a favor. You must remain calm and stay put. In the end, it was a Belgian shepherd rescue dog named Wilson from the Colombian army who first came across the children. The kids, they were telling us, they were joined by the dog, and it was a good sign for them because they said, someone is here, which is what Garzon says. Mm -hmm. Wilson, however, has gone missing, and a formal search is underway to find him. (sighs) Never. It's always the dog that, like, pulls at the heartstrings, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> when it's like we're talking about missing children here and like everyone's like the dog like <laughs> there's a dog that went missing us so no okay the children are gradually regaining their strength after a dramatic rescue so finally um the friday after they were found uh their children's 40th day in the jungle the search party found them about two and a half miles from the crash site Photos and videos of that moment show them sitting on the jungle floor, looking weak and emaciated, their clothes in tatters. Soldiers quickly wrapped them in space blankets. Um, It's not just a miracle to have found them. It's a miracle that they were still alive. The commander of the search and the rescue team told the reporters that it's just a miracle that they were still alive. And only two and a half miles away from the crash site. Mm -hmm. Only two and a half miles. Yeah. Wow. So it goes on to just say more nuanced things in this article, but that's the story of how these children survived 40 days in the jungle. That's amazing. And we should be talking about this story more than the stinking Titanic sub. <laughs> because yeah. that's amazing. And it's all off of like the indigenous culture that their family impressed upon them at an early age too. Mm-hmm. Like how amazing is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's so important and it's something that I have started trying to be cognizant of and be observant of um, understanding how the ecology of where you live works Mm -hmm. and um, how you can use that to your benefit if you're ever in a situation like this. And it's not just, you know, being aware of like physically where you are, but also like what kind of things can you eat? What kind of things can you not eat? And so I've been diving deep into like foraging TikTok because mm-hmm. it's just really interesting. And a lot of it is stuff we've lost um, as like colonists. And a lot yeah. of it is just ancient or not so ancient, like native food ways. Yeah. Um. So like in Texas, you know, 
things like mesquite used to be used like the beans you can apparently turn into a flower same with acorns um obviously yucca too Mm -hmm. um prickly pear um so there's a lot of food that's like widely available but yeah you wouldn't know if you didn't pay attention Mm -hmm. thing so we um I'm I'm in the same boat as you like I'm trying to learn the lay of the land more or less to know how to use it for my own resources and one of the fun facts I learned about our dogwoods in our yard is they're Mm -hmm. called Jamaican dogwoods but they're also called like a I think the nickname is like a fish poison plant or like a fish fish kill plant something like that because the bark if you put the bark in water it's Mm -hmm. toxic to fish so like it's like how like the indigenous culture down here had like killed fish off i guess to like harvest them or something yeah it i i didn't remember all of it but it's something that they used for Mm -hmm. their own reasons but yeah toxic to fish (laughs) so (laughs) i was like well it's a good way to harvest fish you know i was like we can always just strip some of this bark off and put in some water and then just dunk a fish in there if we wanted to you know kill it so Jamaican dogwood has been used as a traditional remedy for treating nerve pain, migraine, insomnia, anxiety, fear, and nervous tension. So it's like... also potentially toxic and <laughs> has been used throughout Central and South America as fish poison. So it's similar okay. to rote known. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me in the Lost City of Z uh, in the movie, they do something like that where they put something in the water that causes all the fish to, uh-huh. to die. I wonder yeah. if it's like the same thing because you said South America. So yeah, it probably is. Yeah. Did you like that movie? Yeah, I did. It was entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. We didn't talk about that afterwards. So we like, didn't. No. Yeah, it was interesting. It really did kind of play out exactly how the story went. So I was impressed with that. And I think like the actors they got were mm-hmm. pretty good. So, but yeah, that one guy, whatever yeah. his name was, he was the worst. Didn't you want to punch your TV screen? <laughs> I could not watch that. I was like, oh my God, this guy's horrible. Oh, <laughs> poor little baby Tom Holland just got murdered by the jungle. I know. Oh my God. The piranha scene. The piranha scene. <laughs> so bad, right? <laughs> Funny. Oh. Uh, I was like, I know enough now to know that that's not how that works, but yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess the thought is like the more movement and panic, the more drawn they are. But like, too- they really relate those things to similar behaviors to sharks, honestly. And yeah. it's like not the same at all. No, yeah, they're pretty shy usually. As, yeah, like it's and I've always understood them to eat dead flesh. Like mm-hmm. if something is decaying, mm-hmm. like they'll go for that and stay around that. But if something is like if you have a cut on your body and you fall into the water, yeah. they're not going to go attack you. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's not like it's not like they smell blood like a shark or whatever. Yeah. You know. And that's not even a hundred percent true either. It's more mm-hmm. like if you're chumming the water, then yeah, maybe you should be concerned. But if you are have a cut or if you're on your period, you're probably gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah. You probably if you have a cut, you probably die of like a bacteria infection. Infection over sharks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I have a story today that takes place in like the hottest and driest place in the country, maybe on earth. 
Uh, I don't yeah. know if it's on Earth, but it is one of the hottest and driest. And it also happens to be kind of the place I was born. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So Fun fact. I was born I didn't know that. not too far from this spot. Um, my dad, when we were stationed there, would go training in this desert that we are about to talk about. That's that's where they do a ton of like desert warfare training kind of stuff. So my mm-hmm. brother actually went here in, uh, I want to say January, February, and he's going again in August and it's going to be so oh, bad. God, that's going to be so hot. <laughs> it's going to be the worst. It's either like freezing cold in that time frame of like January, February, and then it's going to be like so freaking hot in yeah. August. Oh, yeah. Ethan can't catch a break, huh? No, no he can't. So, oh. um, so if you guys haven't figured out by now, the place I'm talking about is Death Valley, um, California. And the place I was born was Fort Irwin, California. And it is literally like right next door to this cool. area, National Park, Mojave Desert. It's all in the same region. I think I've been through um, the Death Valley. Maybe like I drove through it. Uh-huh. But I've never actually stopped and gone there. And I really, that is some place that is on the list to check off of national parks yeah. for me. Me too, because I'd like to see it. Like, I don't remember anything Yeah, I was a baby. We should um, just make a trip. We should just schedule a trip, like a couple's trip. Just go out. Yeah, we'll just go to Death Valley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as we can go to the coast afterwards, because I want to go dive in some kelp forests. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Alex has never seen the Pacific Ocean. So, like, what? we're... Yeah, we definitely have, like, a California trip on the books. Like, we haven't planned it, but it's, like, that's something that we want to do because my brother lives out north of Los Angeles, which is right next to the Death Valley, so. Yeah, yeah, that is, it's on my list. I just haven't, you know, I got a lot of places on my list. That's the problem, you know what I mean? (laughs) Me too. me too it's ever growing so yeah um yeah so yeah it's fucking out there it's like when my mom when they had me when my parents were stationed there she just recalls just driving they reached barstow which is a town like on route 66 and it's a little it's a little nothing or at least it was Mm -hmm. when they lived there and she was like, and then we just drove like another hour into the desert. And she was like, and Jillian, there was nothing, no gas stations, no telephone pole, nothing. Yes. Until we got over the hill and then there was Fort Irwin. So she was like, it was, we were out there. Yeah. So that's where we're talking about literally out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yes. I think it was around that area too. When my friend and I were on this cross country trip and we had stayed at Lake Mead National Recreation Area right outside of Vegas. Uh-huh. And then we were taking, it looks like, I'm looking at a map right now. It looks like we were taking probably Route 15 uh-huh. um, into the Mojave National Preserve, which would have been through the desert, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing as your mom. Like, my car, the gaslight had come on. And we had, like, <laughs> nothing around. Yeah. And we yeah. were starting to, like, talk through emergency scenarios oh yeah <laughs> and finally we came across like it was literally a gas station in the middle of nowhere and i was like we gotta stop <laughs> like, yeah i don't care how sketchy it might look we gotta stop and it wasn't even all that sketchy honestly but it 
it yes i understand what your mom ha- ha- is saying and has yes. been through because dear god yes. <laughs> there is nothing around yeah it's very big bend is very much the same way like they have all these signs when you get to like alpine or marathon basically warning you like you have to fill up on gas before you get to the park because there are yes. no gas stations for two hours until you get inside the park yes <laughs> it's horrible it's so scary anyway so <laughs> yeah anyway go we can talk about the story now <laughs> speaking of good family fun times um we're gonna start this one's kind of let's say it's a mystery i wouldn't necessarily oh. say it's true crimey it's not true crime but it's true crimey does that make okay. sense okay 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 yeah. okay yeah 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 So a Death Valley National Park Ranger, Dave Brenner, was doing routine surveillance on October 21st, 1996, when he found something odd, a green minivan, down a rocky and isolated dirt road in the middle of Death Valley, far Mm -hmm. from any tourist attraction. Yeah, that's strange. Strange to say the least. (laughs) Yeah. Originally, the goal of the surveillance was to look for illegal drug manufacturing sites, namely like lone trailers out in the desert like breaking bed style kind of mm-hmm. yeah um but they found the minivan instead which was odd because you wouldn't mm-hmm. really think you would use that for i don't know making meth. drug running yeah <laughs> you want more of an rv style for meth exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh the van was found in anvil canyon about 2.4 miles downstream from willow spring the van was just a standard passenger minivan and Brenner knew this road could really only be accessible by like four wheel drive vehicles. In fact, there was no official road down Anvil Canyon as of October, 1994 due to the desert protection act, which had designated this area of the park as official wilderness area um, due to this act and basically prohibited public vehicles from using it. That's cool. I didn't know that that was an act. Yeah. So I, I appreciate a good protection act when it comes like to it. land preservation. I do oh, like yeah. that. We'd like to see it because believe it or not, even though it looks like it's, there's nothing out there, there is important. There's ecosystem. critters. Yeah. It's an important yeah. ecosystem. We need those critters yeah. to survive and thrive. Yes. And it's a very unique ecosystem too. And we'll get into like why um, the uniqueness of this area. So honestly, one of my favorite nature smells is like being in the desert and like being in an abundance of sagebrushes and like smelling them. Like that's just like my jam. It just brings a peace of mind. (laughs) Absolutely. So Brenner decided to begin looking through the van as lost tourists could be nearby in need of rescue. The van plates were run. And that is when the American third, but blah, blah. That is when the American authorities realized that a family was missing. The 1996 Green Plymouth Voyager had been rented out on the 8th of July, 1996, by a German family who was on vacation in California. Mm. The rental company waited 30 days after vehicles were due before reporting the vehicle stolen. That was their policy. Wait, so so they have to wait 30 days before... Mm -hmm reporting a vehicle stolen yeah that's insane i know you have to wait 24 hours to report a missing person i would feel like you if you know you own a car and you're like my car was stolen like it should not be that hard to report that. no 
And I don't know if it was like all rental companies or like this, just this one that was just their policy. Um, huh. Interesting. So that was. Which reminds me, I still have to get my rental car for Austin, but <laughs> that's mental note. <laughs> write that on a notepad right now. <laughs> so the van was reported stolen by LAPD on September 10th, meaning the van may have been sitting out in the desert for over a month at that point. That's insane. Yeah. So the German family was from Dresden and included Egbert Rimkis and his 11-year-old son, Georg Weber. Wow, what His a girlfriend, name. Cornelia Meyer, who was 27, and Cornelia's four-year-old son, Max Meyer. Oh, so, ones. family vacation. Gone awry. Gone awry, yes. In, like, the worst place. Exactly you talking about running out of gas. That's Is that what happened? They ran out of gas? No. We'll find we'll out. Get, but it's okay, we'll, we'll get similar there. vibes. Like, But also, like, they're, are they, like, native German that were visiting the States? Because, like, yes. that's a very different climate yes. for them. Yes. Gotcha. Not to mention, like, I don't think a lot of Europeans truly understand how big our country is. And, like, how many blank spaces there are, especially out West, you know? You think? Oh, yeah. I mean, everything there is so compact. Like, I that's remember true. we... When my friend came from um, Finland, the one we're going to the wedding, uh, mm-hmm. we went on a road trip to Michigan while she was here. And it was like a 10 hour road trip, which is long, but not like it's like you can do it long. in a day if you get up early enough. Exactly. And she was like, this is insane. Like, wh- are, how close are we to California? And it's like five days. We're not. <laughs> 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 it's like three days if you just drive all di- day and night like oh my yeah God. yeah so the scope of like our country does not comprehend, comprehend. yeah okay like for them like it takes like i don't know 11 12 hours to go like the entire length of their country oh okay so i do i am jealous of the way that they have their like countries spread out though because it would be really cool to be like oh i'm gonna bop over to germany for the weekend or like oh i want to go to sweden for the weekend like it would be really cool just to do that very easily yeah i'm Um, so jealous (laughs) yeah like my cousin who's getting married um in austin her sister didn't come to her bachelorette party which was down here in key west and i was like oh where is she and she was like oh she had planned this trip uh to I think it was Norway, maybe Sweden. I forget which which country it was, but she related it to be like that, like that trip that she planned with her husband is equivalent mm-hmm. to somebody in Pennsylvania planning a trip to Key West. Right. Like it's like the it's like the bucket list trip, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she had to go. Like you know, I told her to go. Like it's once in a lifetime. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. But it like put it into a different perspective for me, where I'm like, oh, she lives in London. And she's going to this other country, but it's still far enough away where it's like the equivalent of somebody living in Pennsylvania being like, oh, I want to go to Key West, like different environment, different climate, you know, different things to see and far enough away where it's like bucket list trip. Yeah. yeah. And like we have so many different environments in our own country. Hell, within a state. I mean, look at Texas, for example. You've Mm -hmm. got freaking 
crawdad Louisiana swamp on one end of the state and then you got straight up desert on the other end of the state Mm -hmm. so like it's why and like I could be driving 11 hours and still be in Texas yes right it is so hard to drive from west Texas (laughs) to east Texas yeah I swear I went through the same stretch of road multiple times but my brain just didn't (laughs) comprehend it (laughs) like i know it's crazy so i just don't think europeans have an idea of the scale of this country yeah that's fair anyway so getting back to the van so they found that three of the four tires on the van were flat oh no wheels had been damaged by driving on the four-wheel drive road and the van was covered in a layer of dust that probably had been there for some time well, and Inside. I guess like that van's not four wheel drive either, because I don't think vans are four wheel drive. No, typically, no, especially not in '96. Yeah, I mean, probably the only thing that could get out there would be like a jeep or a truck, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, inside the van, there was a Coleman sleeping bag, a tent, kids' toys, an unused tire jack, luggage with clothing, a pipe with tobacco, a credit card, card from the seahorse resort in san clemente california Hmm. a camera found in the van showed photos of the family traveling on the california coast so it Um, sounds like they were coming back east they mm -hmm. had traveled west to east yeah like uh they also found a booklet titled death valley national monument museum text in german that they had purchased from the furnace creek visitors center one of the many entrances to death valley national park Hmm. So they're trying to start putting together some clues here. Um, yeah, like they came from the west. They're going east, but like where? Yeah, where are they going east? Do they have yeah. family in the states? Like, what's their trip? Yeah, like what? What? What was the itinerary? Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. yeah. So they also found an American flag with the words Butte Valley Stone Cabin on it. The cabin, which is also known as the geologist's cabin, is located in Butte Valley, about four miles west of the car's location. Hmm. The cabin has shelter and some food and water. Um, The flag was supposed to be raised to show the cabin was occupied. Kind of like some of those like far reaching cabins. Like if you hike into the mountains, you can use these cabins. Um, mm-hmm. like blm like, land kind of cabins exactly yeah. yeah yeah so so they took it instead of like raising that flag yeah huh and, no one so, really and that knows. was 4.1 miles west of the car's location but yeah. they found that with the car yeah oh so it's like they camped out there like car camped there took the yeah. flag and then continued driving i see mm-hmm. so i, see, I don't I know what why they took the flag with them that actually is never revealed and i don't think we'll ever really maybe know. because they were like german tourists and they were like oh american flag let's take this back with us for like souvenir you never yeah. know like it could yeah, have been something may- as simple as that maybe they didn't like realize that's what it was for and that yeah. kind of thing yeah um they also found two unopened bottles of bud ice uh <laughs> one empty bottle of beer and one three-quarter full bottle of bourbon as well as several empty large water and juice containers 
So I drank all the water and juice and left some of the alcohol because kids can't drink the alcohol. Well, also alcohol dehydrates you. That's very true. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I don't know if you're looking at the um the map the thing I sent you, but I, I sent it to you and I have I have made maps. So I see, see I see them. Yes, I see them. I'm <laughs> Which map are you referring to? Uh, there's one that's a Google Earth image. It says my map of the clues so far. We'll get down to it because there's a lot of clues okay. we're going to go through. But that way you can like see it all laid okay. out because I'm going to be spitting a lot of names out okay. at you. All right. So. I'm looking at the. Um... Oh, oh, that map far down there. Yeah. Okay. I see. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm there. All right, so investigators began putting together a timeline of the family's activities in California leading up to the abandonment of the van. The family arrived in the States on the 8th of July at SeaTac Airport, which is up in Seattle-Tacoma area, uh, where then they flew to LAX and rented a van. Mm -hmm. They were exploring the San Clemente region of Southern California when the family called home on July 12th and asked for fifteen hundred dollars to be wired to them oh um, sketchy yeah i think the investigators thought that they were potentially like running out of cash for the vacation um yeah and asked for more so it didn't seem like they were like particularly loaded um and so they may have been staying in motels or camping and that kind of thing as they went along um, well, even so, like $1,500 is not a lot when you're out on the road for an extended period of time. Like, because no. a lot of that money gets spent on like housing. Yeah. And gas. And gas. Granted, this yeah. is the 90s. So inflation. That's true. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking present day. You're right. Yeah. Okay. 1590s. Yeah. That probably would be a lot more for them. Yeah, substantial. Yeah. <laughs> It's around this time that they stayed at the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino in Paradise, Nevada. Um, on July 22nd, they drove into Death Valley National Park at the Furnace Creek Visitor Center, purchased the two informational booklets, and drove on. The only other evidence of the Germans' presence in the park was the bits of writing that they had left on the 23rd in various guest books at different tourist sites. Hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, when you stay at an Airbnb, they have like a guest book yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so one site at an abandoned mine contained information of significance. Cornelia wrote in the book at the mine that the family would be headed over the pass and signed it Connie, Egbert, uh, Georg, and Mark, or sorry, Max. Um, it was thought by investigators that this would mean Mengel Pass. Uh, it was assumed that they traveled down the west side road and turned onto Warm Springs Road, which goes into Warm Springs Canyon, as this was the only area to cross the Panamint Mountain Range, and it is an extremely rugged four-wheel drive route. It is thought that they navigated this quote-unquote road and ended up turning off into Anvil Canyon as the road to the pass would have been too rough for the van. Although the annual Canyon Road, which again is no longer there, uh, is equally rough. It is known that their ultimate destination was Yosemite National Mm -hmm. Park. And it was thought that they hoped to make a shortcut through Death Valley. Um, 
otherwise you'd have to go around the mm-hmm. mountain ranges and stuff and it would take longer um so it's not so they that- were like map questing this thinking that they could take a shortcut but then it leads them off some four-wheel drive section that's not yeah. fit for the vehicle they have exactly gotcha and they weren't even map questing they were just using guides they bought at the yeah visitor center that's unfortunate that's like very unprepared unexperienced yeah. yeah which i don't know about you but if like the road was getting super rough i'd be like we're turning around we're going back to oh, 100 percent. and i actually have like my own story about that too which we don't need yeah. to get in right now and i still have the photos a prius in- outside of arches national park mm. on some cliff i should show you this picture <laughs> you would crack up it's because oh the- no the it was when I was out in Utah working with the trout out there for like a little couple months at a time, and um the person I was with like we we're like oh let's just like go camping this weekend like at Arches that'll be fun whatever, and we're just like yeah it was it was a whole thing and he goes off road and I'm like we cannot do this like we keep ascending on this cliff I was like we need to go back but there's it's so narrow there's no way to turn around so we literally yeah. have to go reverse down the shit and i was like dude i was like i'll step out and guide you as we walk down this yeah because like it's it was not it was not ideal for oh, sure no it was but yeah but i am that person it's like if it did not look good i straight up was like we should not we shouldn't do this like <laughs> let's turn around regroup i don't want to do that don't so, want to die yeah yeah I, it just doesn't make sense i'm like we're in a fucking prius like why are we here <laughs> like <laughs> what it's funny yeah and that's the thing but you know that the american west is rough and isolated and not mm-hmm. everybody knows that which is the, yeah. the problem here um so the family was due to fly back to germany on july 27th when they didn't arrive home rimkiss's ex-wife began getting concerned and contacted the police in los angeles all right so Death Valley National Park would have been a bad place for a family of four to be lost in, so there was immediate concern. Yeah. Um, So Death Valley is a desert valley in eastern California near the border between California and Nevada. It's east of the Sierra Nevada Mountains and sits in the northern Mojave Desert that borders the Great Basin Desert. It's one of the hottest places in the world Mm -hmm. and also contains Badwater Basin, which is the lowest elevation point in North America at 282 feet below sea level. Mind you. Yeah. Below. Below. Huh. Mind you, it's all dry. There's no water there. Yeah. Just a big old depression in the desert. So. I didn't realize it was below sea level. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So if you look at elevation maps, there's like a big like a dip like a bowl in that area yeah the highest ambient air temperature on record was also found within this park on july 10th 1913 it was recorded at furnace creek at 134 degrees fahrenheit or 56.7 degrees celsius that's pretty much like texas right now i know (laughs) that's insane (laughs) But this was like true temperature, not heat index. Yeah. Um, That's still really hot. Yeah. 
It's likely that now there are areas with higher record temperatures, such as places in the interior of the Arabian Peninsula in Iran, but no recorded temperature has been higher to date. There are unverified claims of higher temperatures as high as 201 degrees Fahrenheit. Those were also taken in Death Valley. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. That's like an oven. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Um, so those temperatures were taken via satellite, um, but apparently satellite temperatures are less reliable than just good old regular ground-proofed measurements. Um, the extreme heat that Death Valley experiences is due to a combination of effects the valley traps the warm air. The floor undergoes intense solar heating as it is mostly stark soil, rocks, and sand in the valley. And warm air from other adjacent regions migrate to the valley and sink because it's so low. Um, the valley is also extremely vast and has an area of 3,000 square miles. That's so, still really crazy to me. It's like... They, what I related to is like if you wore a black t-shirt out in the sun yeah. and like you know how like you just the sun it, it like heats you up more because like you have a darker color on yeah and then like I'm sure like you sweat and your body heat like circulates and that and you just feel hot 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 yeah I kind yeah, of it's... imagine that's like kind of similar where it's like I mean the ground I don't get I don't get all that science stuff with the ground and whatnot but that's like <laughs> When you were describing all that, I was like, this kind of makes me think like, you know, the desert wears, is the one wearing a black t-shirt and it's yeah. like really hot out and it just yeah. like retains all that heat. Mm -hmm. And there's no vegetation to like protect you from anything or like to cool the ground. Like it's just hot, dry and big. That's yeah. Yeah. Arid. Arid AF. So on October 22nd, Death Valley National Park investigator Eric Inman was flown to Anvil Canyon and he began an initial search of the area and photographed the scene. No other footprints were visible around the vehicle, save for Dave Brenner's tracks from the previous day. Food wrappers and human waste and toilet paper were also found around the minivan. It was thought due to the location that the temperature on July 23rd would have been about 107 degrees Fahrenheit or 42 degrees Celsius. And the low would have been around 79 degrees Fahrenheit or 26 degrees Celsius. God, it's even so hot at night. Yeah. Um, and it, it cools down considerably because it's a desert environment. Yeah. But it's still like almost 80 degrees. So the van was removed from the canyon by October 23rd. So that's so, like what? Three days into them finding the van that's mm -hmm. removed? Okay. Yeah. So the official search began with 250 search and rescue workers, including the China Lake Mountain Rescue Group, Indian Wells Valley Search and Rescue Group, and eight mounted units from the Kern County Sheriff's Mounted Search and Rescue uh, they focused their efforts on the Anvil Road area and its entrance to Warm Spring Road. The search included 45 searchers out at any given time and cost around $80,000. Uh, it's one of the most extensive and expensive searches in the park. The only clue the search managed to turn up on day one was a single beer bottle discovered under a bush about one mile away 
from the stranded vehicle and it was the same as like that bush or bud mm-hmm. light whatever mm-hmm. bud ice it was bud ice that's what it was bud ice <laughs> which i've never heard of but yeah uh there was what looked like a ledge cleared of dirt and a large seat print or butt print i guess next mm-hmm. to the bottle which was stuck in the sand as if someone had sat down there and finished a beer and then left the bottle in the sand I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but did they find any bodies? You're getting ahead of yourself. Okay. Because so. my 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 thought is like if they found one seat print next to one bottle of beer, mm-hmm. like where are the other members of the family? Mm-hmm. That's where my that's where my brain went. Yeah. So But remember they found this man like one month after it was probably stranded and so a lot of footprints and stuff might get blown away by the wind oh okay that was another question i had it was like how much like weather happens out there in the desert to like remove any trace of these people as well okay i think when driven better better chance than like if you were in a swamp but um, yeah yeah so i have the map that shows kind of the relative location actually the exact location because <laughs> i'm yeah. a nerd um i got all the latin longs and if you want to go see this yourself i'm gonna put it up on our resources page i have our script for every episode on our resources page mm-hmm. you can go look at the map i made um uh and it has the van location mengel pass which is where they're trying to go the geologist i love cabin. google earth i yeah. I'm such a fan. I use Google Earth all the time. I know. Even even just to like look up shit like from back home. I'm like, oh yeah, well, like what road is this on again? And I'll like I'll drop the pin and like walk around. Yeah. Like, oh, this is this is nice for a little virtual visit. <laughs> yes. I'm a big I'm a big fan of maps. So mm-hmm. this kind of gives you the idea of like where everything is that we're talking about. And that one up in the camera, Warm Springs Camp, that's where they left that that note that said that they were going to try and go over the pass. Oh, um, okay. Okay. So, yeah. okay. Wait a second. Let me look at this again. Because I remember saying like, oh, it, it sounds like they're going west to east. But on this map, Warm Springs Camp, when they're like, oh, we want to go over this pass. That's like northeast of mm-hmm. where they found the, the car. Yeah. So, so it, like, it looks they, like, like backtracking to, a little bit when they got lost like to me there's like a road that kind of curves around that big rugged area and goes I see to that geologist yeah. cabin and yeah. i wonder if maybe they tried to go to mengel pass and then were like okay this is too hard and then started going down that anvil canyon road hmm, okay to try to get back maybe to warm springs camp or i don't know where they were trying to get exactly gotcha okay that's what I've, you know, armchair explorer here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so on the second day, areas searched included more of Anvil Canyon, Warm Spring Road, Willow Spring, and West Side Road. On day three, they searched north, or they searched the mouth of Anvil Canyon at Badwater Road, mountains below, down into Butte Valley, which is where the cabin was, and a Bureau of Land Management ranger began a search on the original route on the west side of Mengel Pass. On day four, they searched further out near Warm Spring Canyon, looked into mines in the area where a lost person may try to take shelter because uh, there's a lot of abandoned mines. Um, 
they search Stripe Butte in Butte Valley and further areas of Mengel Pass. Aerial reconnaissance was also made in all quadrants, but this effort was hampered by high winds. Other than the beer bottle, no evidence was found of the family during this search. That's insane. Yeah, because they covered a lot of ground. Yeah, and how is there not one other clue than a beer bottle? I'm getting ahead of myself again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Did he eat them? No. I mean, I wouldn't put it past me to do a story like that, but no. Me neither. I'm like, dear God, it is nine o'clock at night. I do not need to hear about a man eating his family right now. <laughs> All right. So after five days on the 26th of October, the search was called off. They had searched a wide range of areas that would have had a high probability of success of finding the family, but literally no other clues were found. What happened to the lost family was not determined for over a decade. Oh my god, 10 years? Yes. Wow. That did not stop others from searching, however. In the following years, other searches were made by search and rescue teams, as well as private groups. Emmett Harder and Dick Hasselman uh, were two of those private parties that underwent one of the more extensive searches and both wrote up reports that revealed new information. Harder was granted access by the sheriff's office to view the pictures from the camera. Since he was familiar with the area, he recognized one of the sunset photos as being taken in Hanapah Canyon, 17 miles north of Warm Spring Canyon. This suggested the family made camp in Hanapah Canyon on the night of July 22nd, which was a fact previously known unknown to the investigation. Daytime temperatures in the park would have been climbing to 124 degrees Fahrenheit or 51 degrees Celsius in that area on the 22nd. Has Wait, been- and just to recap, like that's stating that they possibly camped there on July 22nd, but their car was found in October. Yeah. Right? But they but- they went missing on the 23rd of July. Yeah. And they know okay. that because of that uh thing that she wrote in the uh guest book. Right, 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 right. But I just think it's crazy that, like, from when they went missing to their car being found was months. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I just Even that was months, yeah. I was recapping in my head, like, okay, just making sure I'm, like, keeping track with this. Yes. So, Hasselman found another story of a person on an ATV finding two German canteens in an area around three and a half miles south east of the minivan but it wasn't brought to authorities or anything so who knows what happened to them in addition (laughs) i just see marcy in the background it's funny like she did that behind your chair too where it's like i just kind of like if this is your chair and marcy's back here i just kind of see her like slide like (laughs) out of frame (laughs) marcy is your butthole itchy her gr- your girl needs her glands squeezed. <laughs> we just got them squeezed. That's funny because Wayland is similar. He doesn't drag the butt, but he like licks it. And we just mm-hmm. got his butt squeezed recently. And he's like licking it again. And I'm like, dude, like we really? just did it. We, we just, just did, did it. it. <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> so in addition, 
uh, in the three month period in between when the family went missing and when the car was found, a ranger found a sleeping bag in the middle of a dirt road, but he discarded it thinking it was trash because they didn't know the van was there and the family oh. was missing at that time. Oh, man. You know, honestly, I probably would have done the same thing. Right. I mean, like, this is trash. Yeah. It, like, blew off of somebody's truck. Yeah. Like, uh, the road that he found it on was remote and 18 miles from the minivan but it could have blown there you know being a yeah yeah 18 miles i feel like in this situation it's close enough that it could be them but also far enough that it couldn't be them yeah you know what i mean it's feasible yeah Mm -hmm. um both harder and hasselman wrote these findings in an additional report so, of course, lots of theories came about as the years passed on what happened to the German family as the searches had been extens- extensive. The obvious explanation was that the tourists got lost, got three flat tires due to the intensity of the road, and then died from heat and dehydration, and they just haven't found their bodies yet. Um, but, like, the fact that they disappeared basically without a trace was downright odd. Uh yeah. Some thought that the family staged disappearance, of course, <laughs> and started a new life in a new country. Uh, apparently, Egbert's co-worker said he talked about traveling to Costa Rica, hmm. but this theory was unlikely. Also, like, I talk about I want to travel to, like, A, B, and C, like, every day of the week. So <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, if you went missing, like, oh, she just dropped off the grid because she always wanted to run away there. It's like, no, she just talked about traveling there. But that was like the lost city of Z too. They were like, oh, like maybe he just started a new life with these indigenous cultures yeah. out there because he liked them so much. And it's like, well, like he came back every other time. So yeah, probably not. And he has his kid with him this time. So right. I, I feel like that <laughs> rarely happens in mm-hmm. real life. Like, yeah, you know, I, I feel like the only time you do that is like if you're a fugitive and you literally change your name and start right. a new life in some other country. Yeah. And you don't have like a lot of connections or like because he had the kids with them. Yeah. And so then you have to have like no family ties to some somewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So another even wilder theory was that Egbert was trying to get to the China Lake Naval Weapons Center facility to steal hybrid propulsion technology. Oh my god, what? <laughs> For whatever reason. Um so the theory says that he and the family went there and saw something they weren't supposed to see and like got killed by secret service or black ops or some like conspiracy theory adjacent bullshit went down because it was within you know walking distance basically (laughs) that's so funny and also crazy it's like giving roswell but like not Roswell. Yeah, like- yeah, exactly, exactly. It's that vibe. I'm sure yeah. there are people who are like, "Oh, they got abducted by aliens," <laughs> you know? No, not even like the aliens thing. But it's like where it's like if you had like accidentally seen some lab yeah. part of oh, yeah. Roswell, and it's like, oh, you saw too much. Like, yeah. no, you have to get eliminated. Like, <laughs> they have to kill you and your two kids, one of which is four years old. Like yeah okay (laughs) oh okay (laughs) um 
another theory, which is certainly more likely than these other two, is that they met foul play from drug manufacturers out in the desert. Yeah. I mean, we've all seen Breaking Bad. (laughs) That seems to me more realistic than, like, restarting your life or being, like, some sort of super spy That, or, like, you just kind of... Like you fell off grid and you got lost and you just died because you didn't have resources and like unfortunate ending, but Mm -hmm. that that can happen to people too out there. Yeah. I think, I think we as humans like to come up with these like really fantastical reasons when somebody goes missing because it's less sad than what the truth is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the to not to bring it back to the freaking Ocean Gate, but to bring it back to Ocean Gate, uh-huh. I was seeing how people are having a hard time wrapping their minds around how there are no bodies. They're like, how, how, oh, like, yeah, you know what I mean? They're like, okay, like, do you go get the bodies now? I'm like, no, like, they're no. not there. Like, how are they not there? It's like, because the implosion was so great that, like, there is literally not a cell left yeah. of their body. Yeah. Like, they just vanished into they're thin like- air fish food marine snow whatever you want to call it they're they're yeah not they're vaporized yeah yeah and it's like hard for people to wrap their mind around that yeah well the logitech's controller survived so could could get a hand maybe i don't know (laughs) a logitech controller is more like (laughs) heavy duty than the human body that's sad (laughs) (laughs) sad okay so I mean, All that these... could be a new marketing line for them. I know. Well, they could go if the they Nokia really, route with it. If they it, you know? really wanted to go, they could. Yeah, yeah, the original like Nokia cell phone that was like a brick. Yeah, it's indestructible. <laughs> yeah. So okay, indestructible, wanted... a submarine implosion at 12,000 feet couldn't break it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like horrible. It's like that meme I sent you where it was like Netflix added the Titanic back to its rotation and it was like somebody commented and it was like Netflix had the opportunity to do something funny and they they did it. They did. Like, <laughs> it's like Logitech but, has the opportunity to like really like hone in on this marketing line right now. But like, you know. Yeah. Probably I, best that they don't. <laughs> I think they should go for it. I think it'd be funny. But I was just so all these conspiracy theories no real answers but in 2009 tom mahood who was a search and rescue worker from la county uh had been reading about the case and decided to start a search of his own he had his own theory on what had happened to them apparently the booklet that the family had purchased has shown a route to the west via butte valley and mengel pass Past the Barker Ranch, which, fun fact, tying into true crime, Barker Ranch is where Charles Manson and his followers stayed for a time. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So that's in this area, too. Um, So it's thought that they were trying to make a shortcut via this route through the park. Um, They likely signed the register at the mine at Worm Spring, which indicated where they were going. They likely stopped at the stone cabin to try and ask about the road conditions, which were already getting bad. When no one was there, they decided to move on, taking the flag with them. 
Once they approached Mengel Pass, they could go no further. The booklet they had purchased offered a shorter alternative route down Anvil Canyon. It was late at night, the sun was setting, and the rocks burst their tires. They were stranded. Mm -hmm. With the maps available to him, Egbert might have seen the boundary of the China Lake Naval Weapon Station because it was only nine miles south of them. Mm -hmm. The Hood thought that they spent the night in the van and then started walking down Anvil Canyon going toward the China Lake Naval Weapon Station boundary for rescue, uh, traveling mm -hmm. down an unsearched area called the Wingate Wash. Even if the family had reached China Lake, the station border was not manned by soldiers and no one would have been there to help them. Oh. So it wasn't like you know, Roswell or some of these more, you know, high security areas. There wasn't like a walking border patrol, you know, at this border. Yeah. Because like who the fuck would be out there? Yeah. So on November 12, 2009, after many days of searching the Wingate Wash area, Mahood and his search partner, Les Walker, found the remains of an adult. They examined the site and found Cornelia's bank ID and her passport. They also found the remains of a small shoe that could have belonged to a woman or a child. They found parts of Cornelia's planner and business cards from places the family had stayed on the trip, which made them believe that this body was Cornelia. Oh. They also found a two-liter wine bottle and a Bud Ice bottle in the area. In the following days, they found the remains of Egbert, as well as some additional bones that may have belonged to the children. Oh, it's likely so they were sad. drinking the wine and beer, which would have sped mm. up their dehydration. Yeah. But alcohol was probably the only hydration they had at this point. Yeah. With all of the water and juice that they Ugh, had, like those bottles gone. were. Empty. Yeah. While the two adults' remains were found to be those of Cornelia and Egbert via DNA testing. The additional mm -hmm. bones were never determined to belong to the children because there was not enough material to confirm that through DNA. Oh, that's so sad. While the whereabouts of the family had mostly been solved, what exactly had happened to them was devastating. Yeah. They most likely went down a road they weren't prepared for and died of exhaustion and dehydration in the desert, miles and miles away from any sort of rescue. Oh, that's so sad. And if you go down, I have another map that shows all of those places I had on the map before and then mm -hmm. where all of that stuff was eventually found. Oh, goodness. So it was just in an area much farther south that they hadn't searched. Yeah. Golly, um, that's so sad. So that's the family of the Death Valley or Aww. the story of the Death Valley Germans. and it, I know that this story isn't why it's called Death Valley, but did you ever research why it's called Death Valley? Like if it's because it's so hot that everything dies there type of thing? I mean, I'm assuming that. That's what I would assume too. But let's go ask. Death Valley was given its forbidding name by a group of pioneers lost here in the winter of 19, or, sorry, 1849 to 1850. Hmm. Even though, as far as we know, only one of the group died here, they all assumed that this valley would be their grave. So they must have had a rough time. I wonder if that's a story we could talk about. Yeah, that could be a good one. Very, um, oh, um, Donner, Donner party-esque. Yeah. 
Yeah. Have we talked about the devil's hold pupfish? I feel like we have. We did. We yeah. did because we talked about another kind of pupfish. <laughs> okay. And you were like, oh, that's like the Death Valley pupfish. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to have time for conservation quarter. Today. I don't think I'm okay if we pass on it, honestly, because I'm tired. I know. Well, we did the news <laughs> thing, too. So Yeah. And like, it's, yeah, it's 930 here. I'm like, yeah. I gotta go to bed soon. And no, when true. I went out to get some food in our break in between, I told Alex, I was like, if you want to come lay down, just let me like send me a text. I'll like turn my video off so you can like go lay in bed. <laughs> we're almost done. I, I know. I was like, we're halfway done. He was like waiting for me to eat dinner. I was like, no, just eat. Like, like Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so super sad, but very yeah. poignant to the heat mm-hmm. we're experiencing. And you know, I just kind of wanted to do two very American stories for the month of July, because you know it's for the month. Fourth of July. It's fourth yeah. of July. It's American season. Well, and they got lost in Death Valley around the time this episode's going to come out, so. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Super I just hope fun. that, like, us doing these stories isn't going to bring any type of bad karma upon us in our yes. lifetime. I think well, about I that a lot. We, I'm like, am I am I being too much of an asshole sometimes and, like, karma's going to kick me in my ass and then I'm going to learn a lesson the hard way? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, it's going to be really hard to get so lost that we die of dehydration in austin i know but i'm just saying like in our lifetime okay okay (laughs) you never know where life takes us but i really hope that like i don't know by us talking about these stories we're like subconsciously retaining some information that helps us in the future you know what i mean yes yeah just for me it's like what what not to do you know what i mean yeah but some of these situations like the plane crashes and stuff like you don't like like move away so you don't um get like attracted to the animals that are going to eat the dead bodies like oh my god well not only that it's like you don't have any control of that situation yeah you know what i mean it's not like here where it's like well you chose the wrong road you didn't turn around you didn't have resources you didn't know the area like yeah when crashes it's like could literally happen anywhere to anyone which do you want to talk about another conspiracy theory you can dive down this rabbit hole about um the watergate plane crash Mm. if you just like yeah that that's a conspiracy theory right there because you know how i told you i was watching the white house plumbers so Mm -hmm. i was watching that and then when i watch these historical adjacent somewhat hollywood produced documentaries I always Google about the story at the same time to like see how factual it is. Yeah. And I found that one of the quote unquote plumbers' wife died in a plane crash, but uh-huh. she was also on that plane with other news reporters and other Watergate employees. Yeah. And so like it's a conspiracy theory. And she was found with like $15,000 in cash on her. Mm-hmm. And like she had pulled out like a, um, like a what is it like the the life and life insurance insurance yeah life insurance policy out and like my dad was here when we were watching it and i was like that seems a little sketchy and he's like well he's like that's normal people pull out life insurance policies before they go on airplanes and so especially back then like you never know and i was like (laughs) i have 
never heard. But like, I don't know. She had a lot of money and cash on her when they found her. Yeah. So that, yeah, there was a conspiracy theory that like that was a targeted crash. Because okay. it also crashed like right before it was landing. Yeah. It, it's a it's a really weird story. And okay. it, it's all around like the White House uh, Watergate scandal. Okay. And so, yeah. I love a good deep dive. Yeah, um, go deep dive on that Speaking one. of which, my citations for this are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The Disturbing Disappearance and Death of the German Tourists in Death Valley from Strange Outdoors, um, Missing German Family Death Valley from Vanished U.S. That's where I got all of the Latin longs mm-hmm. for all the stuff. Uh, Death Valley from Wikipedia and Highest Temperature Recorded on Earth also from Wikipedia. So Nice. Um. So we'll real quick, be real quick. What are mm-hmm. our happy things? Happy things. I mean, I'm not gonna say that I'm gonna visit you because we did that last time. We were each <laughs> other's happy thing two days ago. Yeah. Um. So now I have to think ahead about a happy thing. <laughs> um. Uh, I'm gonna say happy thing is that our kitchen and living room is coming together. We Yay. have the, we have the couch ordered. We have the curtains here. We have the walls up and painted. Like Yay. they're all it's all coming together. Like one room is gonna be down. That's so, exciting though. Because yeah, it is really exciting. Working at this for a while. Yeah, super exciting. Yeah. Uh and also happy thing is that we decided on where we're having our wedding. So that's yeah. like another checkbox checked. Yeah. So yeah. Check, what about you? Chickety- check that uh tomorrow is my last last field day of the eel survey and then Woo! literally i am done with scheduled field work at this point i have uh 35 about well no about 30 fish left to tag alligator gar left to tag for my other other study but like i can plan that whenever i want to you know yeah go out as i can i am not tied to this state, to this project. I am free. Woo! After tomorrow. If you ever so. want somebody to help you, just let me know. Okay. Be like, hey, you want to <laughs> come help me tag some fish? I'm like, yeah, I'll be down. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, so all right. To be a volunteer. I mean, I'll uh, take all the help I can get. If you yeah. want it, but I am playing for, paying for your plane ticket. <laughs> no, you don't have to pay. Like, I will, I will come out there. Just, like, let me sleep in your spare room. That's all I ask. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, (laughs) But I will come help you. Yeah. All right, so where can our listeners find us? Uh, Yeah, on Instagram, you can find us at Mother Nature Will Kill You Podcast. And then on TikTok, we are MNWKY Podcast. And then on Facebook, we are Mother Nature Will Kill You. We have a website, MotherNatureWillKillYou.com. Well, MotherNatureWillKillYouPodcast.com. And then on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple, what have you. Uh, we are mother nature mother nature will kill you yes and if you got stranded in death valley and you want to tell us about it um you can submit that story to um either our website has like a story submission link or to our gmail um and it doesn't have to be a super scary story it can just be like oh you know we were several hours down this trail and we didn't have enough water or something like that um and if you want to support the podcast but don't have a lot of money because we live in a post-capitalist hellscape mm -mm -mm, got it right 
um, you can submit a five-star review to any of our listening platforms. Okay, cool, great. <laughs> we appreciate you in advance. Yeah. Um. All right, well, with that. Well, with that, Um. until next time, stay safe, but most of all, stay curious, explorers. See you later. Goodbye.